Live from the 607 is the ODPH Entertainment Edition, where we're talking movies, comics, TV, and more. Why don't you join in the conversation? Hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Sitting across from you this week, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello there. Oh, folks, we have a lot to discuss. There's been some late-breaking news that has reshifted everything we were going to talk about on the show. Uh-huh. We have to jump into it. Definitely join in the conversation on social media. Hashtag ODPH. You can find all our social media account links on OchoDuroParleyHour.com because I definitely want to hear from the ODPH Society on this one. Pad, let me ask you this question. Uh-huh. If you made a billion dollars, would you just throw it out the window over a little silly argument? No, I mean, I'd, I'd throw it out the window if this was like a scene of a movie and I'm driving a Lamborghini and like, oh, I'm rich and I toss some money out the window. But no, over an argument, no. The biggest news story that is breaking as we are recording mm-hmm. is Sony Pictures and Marvel have now officially broken up, divorced, ended their partnership concerning the shared rights of Spider-Man. Well, well let's let's cast shade where it is deserved and and shed some light where it is not deserved. Marvel's not pulling out of this agreement. Sony is. Sony is the head proprietor in this argument, mm-hmm. shall we say. Yeah. Pad, you want to just break it down for us? So as this literally broke right before we were getting ready to record, and uh, this comes courtesy of Deadline and uh, Mike Fleming Jr. So if you go to Deadline's website, I'm sure you can find the thing. It'll probably be at the top of their page for quite a few days. Uh, it reads, quote, uh, essentially that the... They were Sony and Marvel slash Disney were trying to come to an agreement to extend the working relationship they've had, that they've had recently where uh, Sony would put out the Spider-Man films and Marvel would help make them, thus allowing Spider-Man to appear in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because unlike the uh, X-Men characters and Fantastic Four characters, Disney doesn't own that. I know there's a lot of confusion. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, it's good. Disney doesn't at least own something. Disney doesn't own this. Mm-hmm. This this you know, all it is is uh, Sony still holds the distribution rights, a.k.a. like there was that uh, mess up on the promoting that even Sam Jackson noticed where there was two different pictures of Nick Fury and on each picture, the on one picture, the eye patch was on the wrong side. Mm. People were kind of, you know, crapping on Marvel for that, but Marvel's not in charge of the, the advertising for this movie, the Spider-Man movies at Sony. It's just Marvel just helps with the producing side of it because let's be honest, they've put out, you know, 22 films and not, not a one of them have been a flop We've seen how many Spider-Man origins and how many flops on Spider-Man's end? Yeah, this is shocking in some aspects, Mm -hmm. uh, puzzling, and a lot more. Considering that Marvel, way back when, when before there was even talk of doing the MCU, I mean, this is like the late 90s when they were kind of having their own financial issues way back when. This is when they were selling the rights to different studios for different characters, and Sony had it. Right, because Marvel was a little cash-strapped. Well, at that time, they were, what, buying their own toy company, buying their own distribution. Uh, There was a lot of stuff they were doing in the 90s that were not exactly the best practices, shall we say. And obviously, when they were selling movie rights, I mean, they were trying to get as many motion pictures going. The thought of doing a shared universe I don't think was even on the table Mm -hmm. at that time. So when they sold the rights to do Spider-Man, it's always been kind of one of those movies that 
everybody really wants to see. Spider-Man is yeah. arguably the most popular hero at the Marvel Comics line. He's he's in the, like if you mention or go up to any comic fan, casual, hardcore, or otherwise, and go. Name me the top five most famous superheroes in there. Spider-Man will be in there at some point. People's opinions and where they list him might change, but I guarantee you he will be mentioned in there. Oh, yeah, you definitely have to put him in there without question because even though Iron Man and Thor and Captain America have risen in popularity over the years, let's just put it in very Mm -hmm. big perspective here. Spider-Man has always been the franchise guy. Yeah. Always has been. Always yeah. will yeah. be. When you associate Marvel Comics, you think Spider-Man. I'll say, Christ, Spider-Man's face was on the top left of Marvel Comics for a lot of years. Oh, yeah, many times in the letterbox. I mean, that's just how they do. So when his rights were going to Sony, and I know there was always this talk of James Cameron wind up making the movie and then never yeah. having yeah. fruition, and then finally Sam Raimi did it mm-hmm. in the uh, 2000s. I mean, the movie has been talked about for doing it so long yeah. that the Sam Raimi movies were great. I mean, Spider-Man 1 by Sam Raimi was awesome. Spider-Man 2 was even better, in my yeah. opinion, with Dr. Octopus. Spider-Man 3, not so much. Mm-hmm. And you can watch that at your own leisure. I am not even getting into it because I don't want to go on a completely different topic. But due to that, the franchise really slowed down after that, and they made a transition to the Andrew Garfield era, which was more hit eh. miss, was more miss than hit for me. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, there were there were some good aspects about it, but the, it was just like, especially the first one. Oh my God, we're seeing an origin story again. Yeah, it just it didn't hit the mark on any level. And I'm sorry, it's Peter Parker riding around on a skateboard, and then yeah. I, out of here with that. Yeah. I'm not even hearing that. So when the idea came about to see what they could do with the MCU. Well, and especially now the thing we should note is there, you know, right after Amazing Spider, right before Amazing Spider-Man 2 was going to come out, Sony was, you know, really high, high hopes on this film that they were, mm-hmm. they were even screaming, oh, this film's going to make a billion dollars, billion dollars at the box office. You know, oh, it's going to do so great. And then you look at what it did domestically. It, it made just over $202 million, and f- uh, overseas it made over $506 million for a worldwide gross of $708 million. Sorry, I realize I'm no mathematician, you know, I'm no genius, but to me, $708 million ain't a billion dollars, $2 billion, like you were screaming. Well, of course, they're seeing what the MCU is doing, because mm-hmm. at this point, the MCU is is growing every movie. Right, and, at, the, and at this point, Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out in 2014, for those who don't remember. Right, so obviously since the inception of the MCU to where it is now, mm-hmm. there has been definite growth and everybody has been seeing how the MCU characters have risen. I mean, let's face it, when Iron Man came out as a movie, yeah. he wasn't exactly a top-tier hero that he no. is now. No, So as you've seen, pop culture and fans have really embraced the whole MCU. And obviously, if you're embracing the MCU, you want to see Spider-Man in that mix. Mm-hmm. And then finally, they came to terms after the failure of Amazing Spider-Man 2 to do a joint agreement with Marvel slash Disney. Sony was on board. They recasted Tom Holland, was put in the role. You saw him appear in Spider- or, uh, Captain America Civil War, right. which was a huge success. And then moving forward, he became such a big part of the Avengers saga with the Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. And then even when Spider-Man Homecoming came out, yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming and then Far From Home, yeah. I mean, just every time that those movies were coming out, Sony was actually making a profit off it with this with their two solo Spider-Man films. Right. So the way the deal previously worked out, according to the Deadline article, was that uh, they Sony wanted to keep the previous arrangement undergoing, where Marvel would receive in the range of five percent of first dollar gross. 
but what according to according to this article uh, Disney was asking for future Spider-Man films to be a 50-50 cone financing agreement aka like you get half we get half which seems fair but when it's your highest grossing franchise Sony turned around and went nope and didn't even offer a counter you know counter to what uh, Disney proposed yeah, which is really puzzling. I mean, I, I understand it. I mean, if they're feeling that, okay, we're turning around and they did have a successful film with Venom, albeit though I don't think on that same level by any stretch of the imagination, no. but they did have a successful film with Venom and they're thinking, okay, if we're going to turn around with our superhero universe, because I can't even call it the MCU and I don't want to call it the Venom Cinematic Universe because we haven't seen anything else come out from that. We know Venom 2 is coming with Andy Serkis directing. Right. We know there's Jared Leto is attached to the Morbius project. Yep. Anything else is just here here speculation. I, I mean, will say Venom was mildly successful from a domestic standpoint. It grossed uh, $213.5 million, which is good and all, but you look at the numbers according to boxofficemojo.com and specifically the ranking of what Sony slash Columbia, you know, their top grossing films and downwards, Venom doesn't even crack the top 10. Like it's it's behind films such as The Da Vinci Code, Hancock, Ghostbusters way back in 84, Men in Black in 97, and then Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, so Venom wasn't exactly a huge thing. And like I said, that's supposed to be the kickoff to your cinematic universe. I mean, like I say, it's really kind of confusing. And just to buy into all the other franchises that are coming, I mean, we haven't seen anything about that. So it's just, you know, hearsay talk. Right. So and, Right, and the other issue I guess Sony had with it was that, you know, this, they wanted 50-50 when... You know, Marvel already got 5% of the first dollar gross, and then supposedly uh, Marvel got the money for the licensing for all the merchandise. Yeah, which is a, a bigger thing, I think, for them that they're more concerned with. Mm-hmm. But either way, to see that after Spider-Man Far From Home grossed a billion dollars mm-hmm. and was the biggest film in Sony's history. Right. Oh, yeah. So then this really says something about how bad Sony movies have been over the years. And Sony's been around a long time. But you, you go to boxofficemojo.com and you look at the domestic all-time grosses. And, of course, Star Wars The Force Awakens sits at number one with $936.6 million. Avengers Endgame sits second with $858.1 million. Uh, Sony doesn't even crack it until number 33, and that's Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, with $404.5 million, like I mentioned, and after that is Spider-Man 1 from 2002, which is uh, $403.7 million. Like, so you got 32 other movies ahead of you that you haven't cracked. Yeah, so to kind of pull a a call like this, I mean, I can understand their point. If Spider-Man is their biggest franchise... They probably want to keep more of the pie to themselves. Mm -hmm. But you also have to remember who made you that pie. Yeah. And that's the argument because before Tom Holland was cast in this, there was a huge gap between the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans and the Tom Holland Spider-Mans. Right. The Andrew Garfield, let's just say, I mean, there's no sugarcoating this. They bombed. Yeah. They were not good at the box office. They almost crashed the entire franchise, period. Yeah. yeah. So for Marvel to get involved and really resurrect the character to where it became back to prominence in cinematic universes such as the MCU, I mean, Marvel does have an argument if they want maybe a little yeah. more of the pie. But just the fact that Sony didn't even come back with a counter offer, Supposedly. Allegedly. Like now, the thing we should note, this is what's being reported uh by Mark Fleming Jr. from Deadline.com, but the thing he notes at the bottom of the article, uh, 
there was no comment from Marvel slash Disney, Kevin Feige, or Sony Pictures. So this is kind of just based on what his sources and deadline sources are telling them. The other thing we should know is, according to the article, quote, sources said there are two more Spider-Man films in the works that are meant to have director John Watts and Tom Holland front and center. Unless something dramatic happens, Feige won't be the lead creative producer of those pictures, close quote. Now, okay, that's the case. And, oh, hey, well, at least we'll still get Tom Holland in the Spider-Man movies. Uh, Don't forget... They were planning on a fourth Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire attached to it, and I think he was on contract for it, but that never happened. They recasted. No, that was the longer rumored one with, I believe, the lizard was supposed so to be There was villain. something, yeah. The, the, like, Raimi wanted one thing, the studio wanted something else entirely differently, and they just split. Yeah, so to see how this is going to play out, Pat, I guess let me ask you. Whose side are you taking this argument? Well, I, I, before I get to that, I think the even more hilarious thing about that is the timing of this because it was recently announced, I want to say it was today, that Sony's going to put uh, Far From Home back out in theaters with like an additional action sequence not seen in theaters. I'm guessing, and this is without me reading or knowing anything, I'm going to guess it's going to be the action sequence we saw in previews before the film came out where he's stopping the robbers and he tells the officers, oh, hey, you know, do my job for me. I'm going overseas. Like, it was like an additional four minutes going to be added to the film. So they announced, oh, hey, by before this all came out, this was like, I want to say at 9 or 10 in the morning Eastern when this got out, I think, where, oh, yeah, hey, we're going to put out Far From Home back out in theaters with an additional four minutes and this, that, and the other out, and you just tanked that. Yeah, I mean, the timing is very suspect about yeah. this. I mean, unless this was just a... I, I want to say like a rash decision, like some egos involved. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be because when you you have a character like Spider-Man, which to any you know simple-minded person, and I'm not calling anyone simple-minded, but to any, any average person, you should sit there and go, it shouldn't be hard to make a boatload of money off of a Spider-Man movie. It is something that adults, teenagers, children can go see. Like, it's it's not like you're making a hardcore Deadpool movie where, okay, we're limiting our audience to the 18 and over crowd, you know, or whatever it is to get into an R-rated movie. You know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man should print money. Like, pick a good story from his long history in the mm-hmm. comics, pick a good director, get a good writer, print money. Like, it shouldn't be that hard. But you, you look at what Sony's done over the years, and nothing has even come close to, to cracking what Spider-Man one with Sam Raimi did like up, up until 2017 when Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle beat it Spider-Man 1 was still the highest grossing film domestically Sony ever had yeah it, it just doesn't make any sense to me and in, in regards to your question of whose side I'm taking on this one I'm taking Marvel's side on this because you look at the repertoire Kevin Feige has had in his pocket it is unrivaled, and I know they brought this up in the deadline article, and I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow from it. Uh, the article says, "quote Essentially, Sony has made a decision that is similar to saying thank you, but we can win the championship without Michael Jordan. After all, Kevin Feige's first decade at Marvel is largely unblemished, and his consistency has been nothing short of historic. Even George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Peter Jackson haven't seen everything turn into a hit." And so maybe only James Cameron has the success record that Feige has achieved. But Feige has done it all in the last 10 years. He's overseen 23 superhero movies with not a flop in the bunch. They've all been number one openers that have collectively grossed $26.8 billion. You're telling me that, oh, hey, it's all thanks to us and our success that Spider-Man finally grossed a billion dollars? You know, oh, hey, to the, you know, to the guy who's Mr. Money Shot can't miss, you know. Not a bad movie on his record. Yeah, we don't need you. 
Yeah, this is almost like in sports when you, you let your star franchise player go. Yeah. And you think you're going to carry on the franchise without him because you just feel you're that good. I mean, th- this is the producer who finally, after what, 40 years, 50 years, whatever it is, finally got a Best Picture nomination for a superhero movie? Like, okay, yes, congratulations. You you won you know the be- Best Animated Picture for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and it's a great movie, but... With with your past success of Spider-Man films, and I'm sorry, it's more bad than good. You know, you're going to tell me you finally have a good streak going and you want to toss that to the curb? We saw what happened when Dark Phoenix came out and there was there was no Marvel involvement in it. Nobody wanted to see the darn thing. This will tank any any reason or want to go see the next Spider-Man movie for me. Why? Because here's the other thing. With as entangled as he is in the story and how much, you know, Tony and Pepper and and every, and, and even Tony's daughter now will mean to him, they can't use any of those characters. They can't they can't reference anything that happened. You, so you're telling me after, what, six, seven movies, however long it's been since he was first introduced to Civil War, you're not going to reference stuff like that? You're not going to bring it up or, or talk about it? You know what I was just thinking? is maybe Sony kind of put that Easter egg in there by bringing J.K. Simmons back as J. Jonah Jameson, and they're just letting Marvel know. Yeah. Like, maybe that was an Easter egg. But in all seriousness, though, I do agree with you. I have to side with Marvel on this one. And I'm not saying that Marvel needs the 50-50 split. No. But my argument will be, Sony, you nearly crashed the franchise a few films ago. Mm-hmm. You almost didn't recover this. Yeah. Marvel made you hot. Marvel made you relevant with Spider-Man again. Spider-Man, they finally showed you how to do an origin story without showing Uncle Ben get shot for the 15th time. Exactly. They brought him back to relevance because the biggest thing going in cinematic times right now is the MCU. Yeah. I'm sorry, it is. And I realize they've got this bug up there, you know what, to do a Sinister Six movie. My God, they've been wanting to do it for 12 years. They've, they've been wanting to do... That was the whole setup with Spider-Man 3 and all that stuff was they wanted to build to a Sinister Six movie. And then it didn't happen because of disagreements between the studio and Sam Raimi. And so they started again with Amazing Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield and they were going to set up for that one. Or we're going to... They, they, they want to do a Sinister Six movie about as badly as Fox wanted to do a Dark Phoenix movie. Yeah, it's just kind of really odd the, the direction they're going in if that's the long game for it. And I think they were kind of set up for it again with this, with Homecoming and Far From Home. There's enough characters in there that there's at least four villains that they could add, and they just need two more in the sequel, the trilogy one, that is. Yeah. So going into it, Marvel made you relevant, and yet you're now going to throw the money out the window and think you can do it on your own. Have you not seen the track record? No, apparently not. And that's and the only other thing they could say, and I'm, I'm only speculating on this. I want this very stressed out is if they're going, well, we made X amount of money with Venom, and we can bring Spider-Man back in there and make maximum carnage into a reality, but we're going to use our characters. I'm sorry. I don't really think the door is kicking in to see a shared Spider-Man, Venom, Morbius, Silver Sable, Black Cat movie teaming up, and, and, and what are you going to call them? I mean, they're not the Avengers. They're not the Defenders. Whatever you're going to define that group as, it, it, I don't think it's going to generate that buzz that you would have had if you stayed with Marvel. Because Marvel, it, they're willing to work with you. I mean, that's the thing. Somebody has to go in there and just go, okay, how do we make this work? And if Sony is just saying, okay, we got to keep the deal, and Marvel comes back with a counteroffer, I mean, maybe this is something that just the egos are taking over. And let's face it, you got a lot of powerful people in Hollywood that are arguing about a superhero car- comic book character. Maybe after a couple of days, this might cool down a little bit. 
But if it doesn't, Sony is taking a very risky gamble that I don't think they understand the stakes they're playing with. Well, and I don't think they know. I think there's more going on behind the scenes that even the heads at Sony aren't aware of because you point, you bring up the Venom thing. And the article from Deadline says, quote, I'm told that Feige lent an unofficial hand with the blockbuster Venom, but I've also been told that the film was far from the polished product that grossed $856 million worldwide until Rothman himself, and in case you're not familiar with who he is, Tom Rothman is the chairman of Sony Motion Picture, the Sony Motion Pictures Group. Like, he's the head honcho. He went in there himself and spent a good time in the editing room to help it get there. So, like, you're sitting there patting yourself in the back like, oh, we finally made a, a superhero movie that grossed $856 million worldwide, and, and we won an Oscar for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Congratulations. It's not hard to do an animated movie and, and appeal to kids. Like, yes, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is good. I'm not crapping on it by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But it's apples and oranges. It's, it's apples and oranges. Like, you've done how many superhero movies that have bombed and not been good? And, and like I said, Spider-Man isn't a hard character to do. No, he's not. He has years of storylines you can do. And if you follow the books, they translate a lot better on screen than trying to carve your own vision of somebody that you don't clearly have the grasp of. Yeah. And that's just the bottom line with it. If they try shoehorning him into the Venom universe, how are you going to do that at this stage? And especially given that there I had to look it up. Uh how are you you know, whoever's writing Spider Man three and four, like, good luck. My hats are off to you. My thoughts and prayers are with you. You've got to write a film for a script and ignore five or six films of previous stuff and just not reference it, not bring it up not mention it at all and the other argument too is I'll, I'll throw this out there do you think homecoming and far from home would have done as well without robert downey jr in homecoming no samuel L. jackson in no. far from home no because if, if 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 tom holland is a good actor he's he's arguably one of the best spider-man actors they've had yeah i'll give you that like it's hard for me to pick one because there's certain things about each of them that i like more than the other so it's hard for me to pick one but for me right now in this moment tom holland is the best Okay, you put Tom Holland. Let's just say that the Sony the Sony Marvel deal never happened. Tom Holland is a very good actor. He could have held that film without Robert Downey Jr. Would it have made as much money? No. But what we what would have we have gotten? Another origin story with another wrestler appearing, you know, as Bonesaw and and you know Uncle Ben getting shot for the sixteenth time. It's just right now attaching themselves to the MCU is the smartest move Sony can do yeah. for that character. I'm sorry, it is. And to take it away and try carving your own version now, I mean, Grant, you still have the same director and, and Tom Holland are still attached to the project. I mean, you're signed for contracts. Mm -hmm. I get that. But unless you steer clearly away from everything that brought you to where you are, I mean, that's just insanity to me. I mean, mm -hmm. I just I don't get why you would do that unless the only thing I can think of with this whole nonsense is they're trying to pull a power play. Has to be. And they don't seem to realize you can't pull that on the mouse no. at this stage. No. The mouse is making too much money. The mouse is got more franchises that they can just shift away mm -hmm. the attention they're gonna give to Spider Man. And they've already proven that they that you know, whether they have a major character for a major storyline or not, they can do fine without him. Don't forget, Adam Warlock was supposed to feature prominently, and he does feature prominently in the uh, Infinity War story in the comics. Mm -hmm. You go watch Infinity War, the movie, he's not anywhere near there. So, you know, Marvel and Disney are very good at taking characters that feature prominently in the comics, and if they're not able to do them, they'll just plug somebody else in there. Yeah, let's not forget, we don't talk about Inhumans anymore. <laughs> yeah. After that was supposed to be the next, you know, big thing happening. Yeah. 
So Marvel will definitely just shift the attention elsewhere. Right, and, and according to the, de- the Deadline article, Sony reasoned that they'll be fine without Kevin Feige. Quote, the creative template has been set on the Spider-Man films, and Watt and Holland are in place along with Amy Pascal, who became producer with Feige after she exited the executive suite after presiding over the previous Spider-Man iterations directed by Sam Raimi and Mark Webb as Sony Pictures' chief. So... Overall, this is just going to be a messy divorce, yeah, to, I, say, to say the least, which the everybody who loses are the fans. Mm-hmm. And Sony, too, because Sony is going to try f- literally forcing him into the Venom universe. For Spider-Man this stage, I don't know how that's going to translate. Because, and it, and it, side note, if anyone thinks Tom Rothman at Sony is going to do anything good for the Spider-Man franchise, uh, he he's responsible for how Deadpool appeared in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. That, enough said on that. That's one. enough said on that. So overall, it's just going to be such a messy ending if this is the ending. I'm hoping cooler heads prevail, that somebody steps in, maybe a Bob Iger yeah. you know, pulls up and, and has a little conversation with everybody over at Sony. To throw the money away is just foolish, and to mm-hmm. throw away all the progress you've made with that character after the abysmal performance of the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. It's absolutely crazy to see them doing this. And I mean, mm-hmm. actually, we got a, a text in from Coach Duffy who is chiming in, who has a lot to say about this. And I quote him How does that, this move make any sense? You were talking about a character who has been built surround, and surrounded by the MCU. Iron Man made his suit, for God's sake. And now you pull him, pull, you pull him out over some petty disagreement. And now you basically reboot the character within a reboot and you can't reference anything beforehand. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for Holland and Watts and all of this. I know and sure they'll be okay, but they probably both had the idea that they're going to be able to work and do so much more moving forward. Instead, they're going to be forced into a Venom sequel. And if, and if you're not sure this is going to have some major impact on Sony, that this is just a blip in the radar, uh, Google Sony stock price, because at about 345 when the Eastern time, when this news came out, Sony's stock price was going for 55.75 U.S. Uh, standard dollars. Uh, within, what is this now, uh, 15 minutes, it had slid a full 10 cents, which numbers-wise doesn't seem like a lot. It's a lot in the stock market. It's a lot in the stock market. I mean, it's going to be kind of a interesting time period right now that I think mm-hmm. that might be something that gets the ball rolling because I just don't see this one ending as abruptly as it's going to. Maybe it's the fanboy in me. I don't know. I just don't see how you're willing to throw away a billion-dollar franchise over what's going to equate to pennies and nickels. Right. I mean, and like I said, you know, you look at the the top 10, the top 100 grossing films domestically that Sony has had of all time. You you look at the top 10, there's like maybe four or five from this decade. Yeah. Sony needs to keep them in the MCU. You need, they need to keep the Spider-Man characters in there. Because if you try taking them out, and with all the characters tied into that universe, I know we have some people hitting us up on social media asking about Miles Morales, and can the MCU just work with him over there no you can't no because there are 900 characters according to the deadline article that sony has control over with the spider-man franchise because they still have the rights to spider-man because this working deal is gone they can't touch anything yeah they can't touch ghost spider they can't touch spider-man 2099 no they can't touch miles morales peter parker i'll say that i guess this effectively ends the relationship between happy and aunt may you would have to say so. Yeah. I mean, a lot of shifting is going to happen for the next movie if this day is put. Like mm-hmm. I said, Sony has that controlling rights that Marvel, they can't access all those characters. I mean, I'm almost kind of curious how this plays out with Cloak and Dagger, too, as a, as a minor standpoint. Because I, I don't think they're connected in it. So no. I think they're allowed, they're going to be okay. No, Cloak and Dagger is Marvel. 
Right, but it just depends on since they were introduced in Spider-Man, like wherever the wording is of the con the contract and such. I think it's going to be fine, but just if they want to tie in somebody else, you know, this has a big effect on everybody moving forward. So it's going to be have something to really watch and see what happens and unfolds. But for Sony, they desperately need to get this fixed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. For Marvel, they're gonna. This is going to be a big loss. No, uh, yeah. No, no question about this. Because for all the progress you made and uh, and how important Spider-Man is to your next phase. Because let's face it, I mean, you're not advertising the next Spider-Man movie in the in phase four. Right, but they but that's the thing is everyone was kind of going, wait, I thought there was another Spider-Man movie coming. Why didn't Marvel announce it at San Diego Comic-Con? Because it's not theirs to announce. Sony is in charge of all the marketing and all the presentation. And, and when they announce it is up to Sony. Marvel can't do squat other than formerly help them produce it. Right, so... For what's going to happen now, it's anybody's guess. But I'm just mm-hmm. saying, I am hoping and I'm optimistic that cooler heads will prevail. Lynn, like I said, I hope Bob Iger like really pulls up on Sony and says, "Okay, let's talk and we'll get this hammered out," because nobody is going to win in this. Nobody, not the fans, not the studios. Sony can't do this alone. The track record is already proven. Marvel has a lot riding on having Spider-Man in the MCU. The fans are used to seeing Tom Holland in the MCU. To hit the reset on this is just a bad look for everybody involved, and it's going to have ripple effects moving forward for all parties. But definitely let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on Sony's move to pull Spider-Man out of the MCU? We definitely want to hear from you on this one. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Actually, Rich from Three Fat Nerds just chimed in, too, about the whole Sony Marvel dissolvement. Oh, this ought to be good. Uh, well, I guess those movies will go back to being dumpster fires, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So shout out to everybody over at 3FN 8122 Productions. This is going to be a, a story we're going to be talking about long term after this episode. So yeah. definitely hit us up on social media. But there are some stories going on, too. And, you know, actually, this is going to tie into our next subject that we're going to be discussing mm-hmm. a little bit. Because Marvel is going to be at Disney 23. Mm-hmm. The D23 Expo is this weekend. Yep. Marvel is going to be there. Um, do you think they publicly address the situation? Uh, if there is going to be an opportunity for them to do so, it is entirely possible. Because as Ken mentioned, uh, D23 is taking place this weekend, August 23rd through the 25th, to be specific, at the Anaheim Convention Center in California. Now, for those of you sitting at home who have never heard of this, go on, wait, 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 hold the phone. What in the world is D23? Well, folks, I am here to answer that question. Uh, D23, as uh, told by Disney, is the, quote, the ultimate Disney fan experience uh says if you go to their site d23.com there's an about the expo page uh quote since 2009 the biannual d23 expo has celebrated all the magic wonder and adventure of disney at this remarkable gathering created especially for you our most passionate and loyal fans d23 expo uh presents three day three full days of quote 
quote unquote inside the magic experiences you won't find anywhere else, including exclusive sneak peeks at upcoming films from the Walt Disney Studios. Dazzling celebrity appearances, unforgettable presentations by Disney luminaries, a look at what's coming from Disney parks and resorts and Walt Disney Imagineering, the Disney Legends Ceremony, and the treasures of the Walt Disney Archives exhibition, which spotlights crown jewels from Disney's timeless legacy, close quote. So essentially what it is, is anything that the, that the mouse owns will be there in some fashion or another. Marvel will be there. Lucasfilm will be there. Uh, the animation folks will be there. Pixar will be there. Uh, some of the Fox folks will be there. I know there's a panel going on at least one of the days involving the Simpsons. So this will be real interesting given that, you know, Disney just acquired all these assets with, with Fox and see some of the stuff coming out of those. But it, it's it's going to be an interesting few days if you are a Disney fan. Yeah, this is pretty much where Comic-Con is for big-time pop culture. Mm-hmm. This is for everybody who is just strictly in love with Disney and everything yeah. Disney does. The yeah. parks, the animated movies, the live action, mm-hmm. all the related properties. This is a big deal that gets kind of un- under the shadow, I guess, yeah. say, yeah. of like New York Comic-Con yeah. and San Diego Comic-Con. The D23, like I say, is going to have so much information going on with the Disney properties mm-hmm. right now that Marvel is going to have a big presence there. It also gets, I say it gets lost a little bit because, like I said, it's it's biannual, so it's not every year. It's once every other year. Right. So that being said, this is going to have a lot of things going on. Like I said, Marvel is going to have a big presence there. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing that everybody is keeping their eyes on for this expo is is Disney Plus. Right, and we'll get to that in a minute, but there are some other things going on that I think are worth mentioning. Okay. Uh, we'll probably see some stuff this weekend about the Marvel theme park that is coming. Now, of course, for anyone who knows or remembers, there is a Marvel section at Universal Studios Orlando down in Florida and in other places, but that contract will be running out soon mm-hmm. because, well, Disney makes their own parks. Right. Uh, there is a park coming in 2020, I believe, that is opening in Disney's California Adventure that is Marvel-based. And outside of maybe like a, a artist's rendition of what it's going to look like, we haven't heard too much about it. So if I were to hazard a guess, this weekend is going to be probably the first weekend we really maybe get some more firm, concrete details about what's going on. You know, who you know, we'll find out. Uh, some other interesting things. We'll, we'll, because John Boyega is being a GD tease about this darn mm-hmm. thing on Twitter. If you go to John Boyega's Twitter account and his Instagram account, he is teasing the you know what out of this. Uh, there's a slightly large movie coming out in December. You might have heard of it. Uh, it's a Star Wars movie. No. Uh, ninth one in the numbered franchise, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, of course, there was no Star Wars anything at San Diego Comic Con, and a lot led, which led a lot of people to believe that something was coming at D twenty three. Well, John Boyega is being a tease about this. If you go to his Instagram page, there's a generic photo of the logo with him being a tease. Uh, StarWars.com wrote about wrote an article about you know what to expect from Star Wars at D twenty three, and it was the smirking while looking sideways emoji. Hmm. I'm going to hazard a guess that there's going to probably be a Rise of Skywalker poster, maybe a trailer this week. I mean, the movie comes out in less than six months. There's got to be something. I'm going to guess there's going to be a trailer. Yeah. Uh, also, and we'll get to this, like Ken said, Disney Plus, because uh, as we know, it launches in November. Uh, and according to what we've been reading, uh, the, we don't really know much about it. We don't really know what it looks like other than that one photo they showed on a PowerPoint slide back in, what was it, Mar- March or May or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but folks at D23 will be able to see what the service looks like and will be able to get their hands on it. 
uh, and even subscribe to it if they are so inclined. Uh, there's also going to be a massive panel uh, about Disney Plus original content and re- reveal more news about upcoming Marvel stuff. And they're doing a Lady in the Tramp movie. And oh, yeah, by the way, there's a little show they're working on called Mandalorian coming out when the show drops that to this point we have seen nothing about. So if I were to hazard a guess that we're going to see a trailer uh, this weekend, you know, it would probably be at D23. Yeah, I've heard that the trailer is coming. We mm-hmm. haven't gotten an official confirmation, right. but we have heard that a trailer is coming. And I think that's going to be a right thing to do because if you're opening it up mm-hmm. for fans to invest in getting a subscription. Right. Because I have heard that they are, are talking about doing like a three-year plan and doing like a kind of price point yeah. deal there too. They're going to have all the information about subscriptions there. And I know with the bundle package with ESPN yep. Plus and Hulu yep. – and all that's going to be covered there. So that's going to be something. And I, they are going to announce when it's going to be on what service, like Roku, Xbox, PlayStation. That's already out, actually. Okay. Uh, at launch, the, uh, this is according to an article from TheVerge.com, quote, at launch, you'll be able to stream Disney Plus on these platforms and products, Apple TV, Android mobile devices, Android TV, Chromecast, desktop web browsers, iPads, iPhones, PlayStation 4, Roku streaming players, Roku TV, and Xbox One. So essentially almost every streaming device under the sun. Yeah. Which, which, which no, duh. That, make, that makes sense. But at least it's, it's coming out right away. It's not like the DC yeah. Universe, which was delayed. Right. And I mean, I'm not, it's, I believe it's finally out on PS4 now. I think so, yeah. And we also got some news about what, you know, side note of when it's going to be launching in, in other areas around the world. Because I know some of our listeners are curious. Hey, it's great. You guys and all, you know, when you're getting it. But when are we getting it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know every country yet, but it was announced that it will launch in Canada and the Netherlands on November 12th in tandem with the U.S. launch. And the following week, the service will launch in Australia and New Zealand on November 19th. Other areas and and regions to be announced later because this is, they're not dumb. They're not going to upload this thing at once and crash all their servers. It's going to be a slow rollout just to kind of build everything up. Uh, if you look up the Deadline.com article about this, you can see the costs per month and then per year for the respective areas if you live in that area. Uh, getting back to some of the stuff we might hear from this weekend, uh, there was a, there was a certain story that broke over uh, since we last recorded that really got me excited, and I know a lot of folks excited. Uh, Ewan McGregor has signed on to return to play Obi-Wan Kenobi in a Disney Plus series, or at least we're speculating it's a Disney Plus series. So that's like a big deal? Uh, kind of a big deal. Uh, I got to give credit to Jordan Mason from Cinelinks.com who broke the story, uh, and it was later confirmed by Deadline Variety and Hollywood Reporter. Uh, his original report, report read, quote, Today's report won't likely come as a surprise to many people, but it's nice to hear. Rumors of an Obi-Wan Kenobi-related project have been circulating since Disney bought Lucasfilm back in 2013. While it seemed to have started life as a standalone film, recent reports are that we'll see Obi-Wan come back as a Disney Plus series, which is what I've heard as well. Uh, so it, it looks like, according to Jordan, we are going. Obi- Ewan McGregor is coming back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's going to be a Disney Plus series. I've heard six episodes and eight episodes thrown around. Kind of depends on what they're going to do with the story. But I would very much expect, because at this point it's like, you know, the worst kept secret in Hollywood that he's doing this. I would expect at some point over the over the weekend that they will be talking maybe at the Disney Plus pa- uh, panel that, you know, they'll be talking, 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 and then they'll just have Ewan McGregor come out and he'll just go, hello there. I would imagine so. I am guessing we're going to see some cameos mm-hmm. from celebrities all throughout the weekend oh, yeah. there. Oh, and yeah. I think Star Wars, that's where I think you see McGregor come out and address that he's back, maybe have a lightsaber kind of flip, oh, yeah. flipping around. Oh, yeah. Something like that just to get the crowd really amped up. Because he's been open to doing a Star, or a Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi film for years. I mean, he's even at the perfect age, you know, because 
you know, nobody really knows anything about the series. They haven't even officially announced it yet, you know, but everyone's kind of speculating that it will be taking place in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So in between the prequel trilogy and, and the original trilogy and you right now, age wise, he's at a perfect age to do that. You really think about it. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense, too. And like I say, going back to the whole point, if you're trying to entice people into buying mm-hmm. your service, you want to come out and make a big statement early. Yeah. Star Wars doing that with McGregor coming out is a huge move. Mm-hmm. Huge. And they're going to show the Mandalorian trailer. That's going to be a big deal. Yeah. On the Marvel end, too, I expect them to come out with something. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they go with, though, because they kind of unloaded the, the barrel a little bit with San Diego Comic-Con. So it's like, all right, what do you got left to announce? Maybe something on the Disney Plus side? I would imagine the only thing I, I'm going to guess at, and this is only a guess. I want to just put it out there the official hashtag un- ODPH unofficial guess black widow footage. Oh, that could be you're going to hear trailer. Some, you're going to see maybe a trailer, yeah, maybe a teaser a trailer. trailer. You're going to see something there. You might hear some more about the Eternals. I would imagine maybe some more casting. Will you hear some more about maybe details about guardians of the galaxy three? Maybe because I know that there's still rumor about who's playing Adam Warlock, yeah, and then that hasn't been confirmed. I know there's a lot of buzz going around. About well, I, I know there's, I know there's a script, or at least a v- version of the script, done because James Gunn's brother Sean had read it and didn't really elaborate on what he read, but he did go as far to say as there is at least a first version of the script. So that's, they're working on it, right? So I imagine you're going to see something about that, and maybe a little more details that Kevin Feige didn't have enough time to say at mm-hmm. San Diego concerning mutants or Fantastic Four. Also might address the elephant in the room at this point of Spider-Man. It, well, they're going to have to do something. But I think they're also going to tie into maybe a little more uh, Disney Plus information. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Like I said, I don't think we're going to see trailers. You might hear casting. You might hear some more about the uh, Ghost Rider uh, universe that's coming to Hulu. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not Disney Plus, but it's all under the same umbrella. Yeah. You might hear some more about that. Like, I think it's going to, I forget the name of it, it's going to be titled. Uh, I know he's been thrown around Spirits of Vengeance, but I yeah. think that's going to be the team show yeah. instead of like Defenders. So you're going to hear a lot more about that coming out. I'm hoping to hear something about Moon Knight yeah. personally, but that's just me. Yeah, uh, switching gears, uh, we will, of course, they do own Pixar, so I figure I figure we'll be hearing some stuff about uh, Pixar. Of course, they came off the incredible success of Incredibles 2 and Toy Story 4, you know, so now they're going to, they said, they've said in the past, they're going back to originals for the foreseeable future, so no more sequels. Mm. Uh, that They have Onward and Soul uh, coming, uh, Onward comes out March 6th, uh, and then Soul comes out uh, June 19th, 2020. Uh, so, you know, we've seen a little bit from Onward. I think that's a trailer that's kind of running in front of some movies that I'm a little confused with. Yeah, this one with Tom Holland and uh, Chris yeah, Pratt, right? Yeah, that's the one. It's like a fairy tale world or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it looks interesting, but, you know, m- might see a little bit more from that. Soul, nobody really knows anything about. I would imagine we might get some more movies and or at least titles of what they're working on coming down the pike. Of course, they do have the Monsters, Inc. Disney Plus series coming out, you know, so they, they'll have some stuff to talk about. Oh, absolutely. Then you uh, also you expect some stuff from Disney Animation. Of course, they have the highly anticipated sequel, Frozen 2. I know parents everywhere are dreading that sequel because the kids, will, yeah, kids will be having some other song they'll be singing for the next year. Yeah, I know. I've been hearing that from my nephew. Yeah, but outside that, you know, they're, you know, they have a movie scheduled to come out scheduled for next November that hasn't been revealed and there's other projects in the works. So outside of frozen two, you know, nobody really knows what's coming from next from Disney animation. So, you know, you might hear some stuff about what's coming down the pike or even some of the, you know, reboot, 
live action, whatever you want to call it, films they've been working on lately. Yeah, because the one that's been highly touted around lately has been the Little Mermaid casting. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll yep. officially announce uh, who's playing the lead male actor there. I'm blanking. Was it Harry Styles from One Direction? Uh, he was acting? rumored, but I don't think that's happening now. Yeah. You know, but some other things to look forward to. Of course, they have the Disney Plus showcase taking place on Friday, August 23rd. Uh, You know, they've got a Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, panel going on from uh, 3 to 4. I believe this is in uh, Pacific time because it's taking place in California. Uh, They have a screening going on for the high school musical, the musical, the series. Yes, that is the actual title. It's a Disney Plus thing coming. If you remember high school musical from back in the day. You know, if you're if you're a fan of uh, voice actors, they've got the legendary Bill Farmer, who does the voice of Goofy, doing a panel. You know, going on that day. Uh, switching over to Saturday, they've got a Simpsons panel going on, which is definitely something to look forward to because Disney and Simpsons, man, man that's a matchup I never thought I'd see. Yeah, that's a weird parallel universe yeah. meeting. Yeah, you know, you've got a, a panel for the anniversary of the uh, Haunted Mansion because it's actually like the 50th anniversary or something like that of the ride, the Haunted Mansion. Coming okay. out. So they're going to give kind of a look back at the, at the whole fr- franchise and everything else. Uh, they've got a Marvel Comics 80th anniversary panel going on on Saturday. That's going to be interesting because mm-hmm. the following week is Marvel Comics 1000, I believe. Yeah. So that's going to be something really stay tuned for comic book fans. Yeah, switching gears to Sunday. Obviously, there's more going on. You can check D23.com for the full schedule. This is just some of the highlights. Uh, Sunday, they've got a sneak peek at Disney Parks experiences and products going on. They've got a celebration panel for the 30th. God, I can't believe it's been 30 years. 30th anniversary of The Little Mermaid uh, being released. Yeah, that, that one shocks me. Uh, the Keegan Michael Key's got a panel going on that day. Uh, you know some other stuff. Uh, Fifty years of the Walt Disney Archives, a gold mine of fun finds. Uh, speaking of which, I had a friend who was recently able to see the uh, Walt Walt Disney's actual uh, office as it was back when he died, and it is an incredible experience. Uh, you know, just something to you know, whenever they pull stuff out of the archives, you know, be it films or merchandise or even even some of the you know, the cells or stuff that they use for animation mm-hmm. back in the day is just always so cool to see. Uh, they've got a panel of Disney character voices, Inc. 30th anniversary celebration panel. You know, they've got a panel for uh, the making of Tarzan, which, of course, is celebrating an anniversary this year. A whole lot more going on. But like I said, if you are a Disney fan, this is definitely the panel for you and things to keep an eye out on. Absolutely. Like you say, if you're a Disney fan, this is something for you. Even if you're not, but you're interested in something like Marvel, mm-hmm. there's going to be something for you. Yeah. Something for Star Wars. Star Wars. I know a lot. I know a few people who are big Disney Park fans, so that's definitely something for them. And it's going to be huge. And like I said, Disney Plus is going to. This is where they have their kind of Hall H moment, in my mm-hmm. opinion. They're going to come out. You're going to see celebrities all over the place on this one. You're going to see castings. Yeah. That's what I think you're going to hear the most of. You, I'm going to even throw this out there. Maybe Keanu Reeves finally announces what he's doing yeah. in the MCU. Yeah. Not saying I, I'm I'm just going to throw it out there because they've been trying to cast him for the better part of a decade. Right. So and it's it, just either they haven't found a role that fits for him or his schedule hasn't worked. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that you might see a, a moment like that where he walks out or you know, whoever they're going to cast for Adam Warlock or yeah. whoever they're going to cast for Namor. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of that stuff has just been rumored, but you, I'm saying you're going to hear something about this. Something is going to generate enough buzz that they're going to talk movies. They're going to talk Disney plus. They're mm-hmm. going to talk Hulu. They're yeah. going to, they're going to talk everything. There's so much there for fans to see and hear about. I'll say, what are you uh, most looking forward to at least hearing about or finding out about at the convention this weekend? For me, it's Star Wars. Okay. Uh, the Mandalorian, I am a big Boba Fett fan. Sure. So anything kind of relating to him and that universe, I'm down for. Mm-hmm. Um, really interested to see if uh, Ewan McGregor shows up there. 
Um, if he does, which I, I think the just the fact we'll hear a little more about that, I'm interested in. And the Marvel side of things, Disney Plus, I'm really interested to hear, to hear if they're going to be talking some more new shows. If they're going to kind of delve into a little bit more, like I, we've talked about a little bit on the show, but the Ghost Rider universe, I'm really interested in see because I know that they're doing the Robbie Reyes version on Hulu Plus mm-hmm. or, or Hulu. God, there's too many pluses involved in this. It might become Hulu Plus at some point. Right. But just to kind of hear what they're doing there and if they're going to make some more casting uh, announcements involving the MCU, too, because like I said, they did enough. And I mean, they did more than enough at San Diego. But this is just going to be kind of like a little more. OK, what could jump out and grab? And right. like, I expect that with this recent development with Spider-Man, they're going to want to come out and really get the fans' minds off it mm-hmm. as much as possible. I'm not saying we're going to see a Fantastic Four logo, right? but I'm not saying we're not either. Like You're going to yeah. see a moment like that that's going to make everybody shift their attention away from the messiness of Sony and get focused on what they're coming with. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to the Disney stuff as well. I mean, Rise of Skywalker, you've already got me sold on it. I'm I'm already way beyond excited for that. You know, the Ewan McGregor thing, if you you know, which again, shout out to Jordan Mason and my buddy at Cinelinks who broke that story before anybody else and wasn't getting his due credit for a few hours, but eventually did get it. Uh, you know, I'm excited for the Obi Wan series, but I think what I'm probably most excited for is is more announcements coming out about what's coming to Disney Plus because, you know, this to me is probably is going to be very interesting to see because yeah you're going to get marvel stuff and you're going to get star wars stuff but you also could very well see some revivals of some other franchises or some other shows that you haven't thought about in a while i mean i know they just announced the other day and for those who might remember there was a series on the disney channel in the early 2000s called proud family which was an animated series Mm -hmm. about a family and, and kind of the hijinks that ensued they're bringing that back for another season on disney plus I'm interested to see just kind of the stuff they announce for it the, of shows they're bringing back for a season or two and just going, wait, oh, my God, I didn't haven't thought about that show in a long time. I'm excited for that. Yeah, there's going to be so much to check out. Definitely keep your eyes and ears on social media, especially Twitter. I think that's going to light up this weekend with so much information mm-hmm. breaking. For more information, though, on D23, d23.com. So definitely check that out. Hit us up on that hashtag, though, hashtag ODPH. What are you most excited about coming out of D23 this weekend? Are you excited? Are you really focused on the Disney Plus stuff or is something else really jumping out that you're like, hey, we really got to talk about that? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello there. Do you like movies but feel overwhelmed by the avalanche of titles available every week in the theaters and on streaming services? Do you struggle with justifying the increasing cost of movies at the theater or whether to pick up another streaming service? Well, I have a resource for you. One Movie Punch. Your movie review podcast for currently playing newly streaming classic and cult movies. One movie per day, every day. We track the theaters, streaming services, and the occasional physical release to find the best movies currently available. We watch every film, then distill it into a short three to five minute review and publish a daily podcast. And now with year two, we've gone spoiler free for all movies within the last three years and bringing on a team of reviewers with brand new perspectives and selections. Want more information? Head over to www.onemoviepunch.com to subscribe to the daily podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Movie Punch and Facebook at www.facebook.com slash One Movie Punch. We'll see you there. Coming back for segment number three on this edition of the ODPH, and we are talking about our favorite comic book series right now, the X-Men reboot. Mm-hmm. We are now talking Powers of Ten, as I've been told it is now called, not Powers of X, but it's a little confusing. But we are going to be dipping into some spoilers if you're not caught up. 
because the book is that good that there's a lot to digest. There's mm-hmm. a lot to break down. So if you have not read the book and you want to read it first, pause the episode, okay. read it, and jump back in. Because if not, we're talking about it in three, two, one. Pad, what you think? I, you know what? I really enjoyed uh, the art. The issue it, for me, it was a much easier read, and I didn't have to read it four or five times uh, like issue one. Not to say there was anything wrong with issue one. Just there was a lot going on, and it was kind of like a different take on how to do a comic book story spanning multiple decades, years, generations, whatever you want to call it. But just this one for me was an easier read to understand. Well, after coming out with Powers of Ten, number one, Jonathan Hickman's epic that he's writing, I mean, four issues in, and it's already an epic in my opinion, he is really playing the long game and really is reestablishing the timelines. And where the issue kind of jumps around, Powers has been known to break down four periods of time. The past, the present, a hundred years from now, and a thousand or a million years from now, I believe it is. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. So he is really kind of jumping around as we are going. And it is tying into House of X. So you do have to read both. Yeah. It is recommended to read both if you can do it. So Yeah, and even for the stuff that's coming down the line when House and Powers of X are both over, Jonathan Hickman himself has said, Listen, you need to read all twelve issues of so that's Powers of X is six and, and House of X is six together to understand where he's going from there yeah because when they do the dawn of x which is coming out Mm -hmm. in october it's going to set the timeline for all the x-men books moving forward and i do mention timeline in this because as through the dramatic bombshell that was dropped in house of x2 yeah where moira mctaggart is revealed to be a mutant who's Mutant power is Groundhog Day, in my opinion. Yeah. They just, she keeps reliving her life, but she's remembering all her memories when she's being from an infant moving forward. And at this point, she now knows what is happening in the future involving mutants and humans and how eventually humans lose the battle, that they're going to become extinct, and she needs to be a forefront carrier of the dream of Charles Xavier to make sure that the mutant race is moving forward. And she has done an extremely drastic move. She is in her last... 10th life as it is stands right now Mm -hmm. she has caught up with the young charles xavier before he has formed the x-men and basically tipped her hat tipped her cards on the table and said read my mind and now he knows the future that is happening i mean let's be honest you know there's a whole old saying about you know insanity you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again expecting different results arguably you could say she's doing that. I mean, yeah, she's tried different avenues and paths of doing the same thing, but she's been trying to get to the same point, but the same thing keeps happening. So I, I, you know, we've all kind of been there where we're trying to do something, trying to do something, trying to do something. It doesn't work. And we go, you know what? Forget it. Just here, do this. Right. So at this stage, she has gone to do drastic measures. She has now told Charles Xavier, the future. She is, he has read her mind. He now knows what needs to be done. And the issue kicks off right now where they meet up with Magneto. And he now is uh, in Charles Xavier's mind and can read his thoughts and sees mm-hmm. the future that is happening. That Moria has just opened the Pandora's box, so to speak. Xavier now knows it, and now they have tracked Magneto down. He is now on board, and they basically are going to be playing the long game. Yeah. Because now, when this move happens, the entire X-Men timeline is now reset. Mm-hmm. That... I don't want to say that everything they've done moving forward doesn't exist, but it hasn't been really clear cut of that is the case or not. In my opinion, it has because the oldest battle that they've had going on since issue one. Yeah. Magneto versus the X-Men is mm-hmm. no more. They have been allies now during this time period. Yeah. From wherever this is jumped in. Yeah. That this is now established that 
a young Charles Xavier has now gone to Magneto and said, okay, we have to do a long game to make sure that we are the ones standing at the end. And in Magneto even voices his kind of, uh, you know, I don't know the right word for his kind of skepticism about the oh, whole yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, he's got to be. He's like, listen, I've kind of been around the block a few times here. How do I know you're not playing me? And Xavier has Moira show him the futures or the past time travel, you know, of what she's experienced. And that's when he kind of buys in to a certain degree. But, you know, he buys in but goes, I'm still keeping an eye on you and we'll take whatever measures necessary if things get out of control. Right. Because at this point, that's when year one is there defining it as ends. Mm -hmm. They jump to what they're calling year 10, which is the current timeline. And you're seeing that the information that was stolen out of the damage control building way back when in House of X1, this is when they find out what it is about. And it's about the Sentinel Master Mold uh, facility that is making mass-producing Sentinels, rather, Mm -hmm. that the X-Men now have addressed this threat. And they're kind of going, okay, well, what does this all mean? And it's basically breaking down of the group Orcus, who is the combination of ex-members of S.H.I.E.L.D., S.W.O.R.D., AIM, HYDRA, just the top espionage and terrorist organizations in the MCU. Yeah. They're meeting together to stop mutants. And obviously anytime you start delving with Sentinels, it's never a good thing, but to get that many people involved with that vast history is definitely, definitely not a good thing to be a part of. And Xavier is basically come out and said that we have to stop them and we have to stop them early and basically comes across the blueprints that they're building Nimrod, Early, which Nimrod mm-hmm. is the ultimate advanced sentinel. So at this stage, Xavier is making the call and says, we have to stop him, and basically gives Cyclops the order, who is in the room and getting debriefed on everything, that this might be a suicide mission and you might not be coming back, but it needs to get done. And, and Cyclops just kind of stands there and goes, so this needs doing? And Xavier says yes, and he goes, then this will be done. Which, I mean, it falls right in line to where Cyclops has always been Xavier's right-hand man. That he never wavered from the original dream. Yeah. So when Xavier gives an order, he's doing it. And it, it kind of falls suit to like, okay, this might be where he goes with his team book, which is coming out in Dawn of X. Because so far, the only thing we've seen is the cover, and it's the Summers family with Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And we don't exactly know what they're doing. Right. But this could be involving that if they're going to kind of put this story on the back burner for a couple more issues. I'm saying, and is it also, I hope I'm not the only one who thinks it weird that in one panel, you know, Wolverine says, oh, hey, boss. And then the very next, like one of the next few panels, it's Apocalypse. Well, that's where we're getting to. And it's, it's, it's weird because then this is where the story jumps to year 100. Mm-hmm. And this is where we're seeing the hybrid mutants involved. This is where we see the one that it looks like a mix between Kitty Pride and Colossus. And she is known as Rasputin. And the one that is the looks like a red nightcrawler that we have now found out is named Cardinal. And this is where they go on their mission where they're retrieving data from Nimrod and they're bringing it back. And this is where you see Wolverine or you're presuming it's Wolverine at, at this point. Like I think it's, it's Sabretooth's child. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. This is where you see them going and bringing the data back to whoever is running the mutant. Uh, I don't, I want to call them the liberation front cause that's yeah. not the right word, yeah. but, but the, you know, the mutant force that is trying to preserve mutant kind. Mm-hmm. And who is the head of that? Uh, Apocalypse. Yeah. Of all people, 
It's Apocalypse. Yeah, because why not? Well, it, it's a it's a nice change because you didn't see that one coming, and it completely threw me off. Yeah. That he is, at this point, so dedicated to the cause that Xavier and Magneto have established from way back when mm-hmm. that he is just fully on board with this. And just to see how the long game has stretched out. And that's why I say the timeline, you don't exactly know what's going right. on. Right. You know, because like I say, it, it, if the timeline has been reset, that all the past of the X-Men has been wiped out and been reset, which is so like detailed. And, and you want to talk long game planning? Mm-hmm. This is long game planning. I can't help but wonder with all this stuff going on, there's like how, like we know what Hickman likes to do in his runs and that's, plant seeds and play the long game oh yeah i i cannot wait to see in however long it takes because i get the feeling this isn't going to be like a year-long build like it oh, was, no no like no. it was in the past this is this will be like a decade-long build i can't wait to see where you know down the road where some stuff pays off and go oh my god i never saw that well if you ever have read his fantastic four run and mm. then you read his avengers i mean the avengers his avengers run ended with secret wars and I will give my highest recommendation for reading Secret Wars because of how that played out. He's going to go at least a few years on this one. Right. I mean, however long it takes to tell this story, but he is definitely playing the long game on this one. So with already the twists and turns he's done already has just been phenomenal too, that we haven't even really scratched the surface on the story. Right. Because at this point, you have Apocalypse who's, you know, like I said, so dedicated to the Xavier dream. I I guess you can still call it the dream, but mm-hmm. but it's not. Like, it's it's kind of this weird, we'll just call it the Xavier vision because I don't think you can call it the dream. Right. That he is willing to do whatever it takes to, to pull this off. And in the other stage, too, you see Nimrod, who is lashing out. And like I say, his personality, it reminds me of Kylo Ren yeah. from Star Wars. Yeah. Just, I don't want to say he's an emotional child, he he's got a very short fuse though. But some of the mannerisms mm-hmm. that he's that he's showing, he gives no you know what's. Yeah, but it, like I say, he lashes out like he uh, like a child, mm-hmm. and I can't put my finger on who yeah. he could be. Like if it's somebody's essence in him, yeah, or just this is how he became sentient, or you know, have developed a conscience and 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 personality at this right, stage. Like, yeah, because like we said, there's a lot of time passing in between timelines that we're seeing. And, you know, we don't know the full story. Right. Cause at this stage, it's just so like in its infancy that you're just learning and, and seeing just where they are at this stage. I mean, there's so many characters involved in just how they're playing the long game and just to see where it's ultimately end up being, where it is going to be apocalypse versus Nimrod. And this isn't the first time we've seen this happen in this timeline mm-hmm. because in the ninth live of Moria McTaggart, that's so weird saying too, by the yeah. way. You see how Nimrod defeats Apocalypse. So now in this in the rematch here, I don't know if Apocalypse knows what's going to happen, but he has definitely taken enough steps to with this group of I guess you call them X Men to make sure that the future is definitely changed and going to be in their favor. Yeah, because now at this stage we jump to year one thousand. See, like they said, there's so many time number jumps of what's going on. Like it it just becomes really crazy. So like this is where the distant future is and this is where you see the the one character the librarian mm-hmm. uh, reemerge and this is where you start seeing about the difference of just like how at this point mutants have taken over and mutants have like fully evolved into their biggest evolution. Yeah. And now you're seeing the old villains of the Phalanx are back. Mm-hmm. And and have kind of, kind of just like Ev- like just gone further evolving. Yeah. And it's weird to see 
like I because like for me the first introduction was New Mutants. Um, the character Warlock, he is part of the Phalanx. Yep. And then there was that introduction where the Phalanx were doing the takeover, and there was a big X Men crossover in the nineties. This is how Generation X came to be, and to see like that this group is now like emerged into like a real threat, mm-hmm. and especially at this stage, I mean it's kind of odd to see and just like how this is playing out in the, in the future because the issue ends with the reveal of how the librarian is kind of working with the Phalanx to basically take over and further evolve the mutant kind, which is not a good thing if you've read the characters before. Yeah. But this is where we're going to get very, shall we say, let's get weird overall though. The episode, or the issue, rather, it feels like an episode. It feels like I'm watching TV on this one. It really was very straightforward, and you're kind of getting a more sense of the timelines and how everything's established. It's just very interesting to try to figure out, okay, what everybody is doing and how the events of the the past are now affecting the future and the, and the far future, too, just with all the different timelines going on. And like I say, there's just so much happening in these books it's been such a nice change of pace to read them mm-hmm. because the X universe, albeit though when when Marvel was really pushing the Inhumans line, yeah, that the X Men line really wasn't on the focus point and, and just they kind of needed a fresh rebirth. The fact they got Jonathan Hickman to jump on, I think, was the smartest move they could have done because the X Men books really have not made me want to pick them up and read them in many many years. Well, yeah, I mean, we know why they were pushing the Inhumans line for a long time is because they had the rights to those films and they were giving them the source material for that. Well, right. That's the thing. Well, the Inhumans, the fact they were going to do a movie on them. I mean, when we first heard it was like, okay, I don't know how this is going to work because they've always been second tier characters, except Black Bolt's been really forced into uh, more of a predominant role in the MCU. He's part of the Illuminati at one point. If you go through that history and, you know, that group and what they tie into. And I mean, that's part of Jonathan Hickman's run, too. Yeah, that. You, you could kind of understand that, but, I mean, honestly, they were, everybody knew they were not going to replace the X-Men. The no. X-Men are too, power, too popular. You can't replace, you know, Wolverine with Lockjaw. I mean, no. that, that's, that's, a, that's, <laughs> no. that's, that's a debate, but I'm just saying you, you can't do it, and I know that they really tried making the best go of it. And that's why I often compare it to, and I know I'm kind of going off tangent a little bit, I often compare the Inhumans to the Eternals, and I think mm-hmm. it's the same kind of vibe in a, in a different degree. The Eternals have never been like a huge like household name and to see them now get a movie push. I don't know how that's going to play out, but with the X-Men though, the comics have kind of really taken a step back, but now they're coming back to the forefront and they're right. really, it's something to read. Like I said, this has been the event. This has really topped everything going on in comics right now. Mm-hmm. And we're only four issues in how absolutely crazy. But definitely let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Have you been reading Powers of 10? Have you been reading House of X? Join in that conversation. We've interacted with a bunch of different podcasts about it, but we also want to talk with you about that as well. So hit us up. Let us know what's your thoughts on the current X-Men timeline. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out robocon.org.
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, you got some breaking news before we get into one shots? So we said we keep you updated on the Spider-Man news and any breaking news or any developments that we heard of. You know, we keep you apprised of it. Well, we didn't have to wait too long. Uh, we're reading from a couple people we, we know and, and follow online that, you know, Deadline might have jumped the gun on the Spider-Man news. Uh, one person we read said that lots of sources, both publicly and privately, are saying it could be saved. Uh, multiple people are saying to be patient as it isn't over yet. IO9, who wrote an article uh tweeted out an update saying quote a sony rep told us it's their belief this dispute is simply over a producer credit and negotiations are ongoing they further clarified feige has contributed to other spider-centric movies that he did not receive a producer credit on close quote uh they have reached out to marvel for a comment and they have yet to receive one but they will update their article as uh, if they get one, uh, Eric Davis over at Fandango has uh, said, quote, as an update, uh, multiple sources are confirming that talk of Sony and Disney parting ways on Spider-Man is premature. Negotiations are ongoing and nothing is finalized. Uh, that his Twitter account is at Eric with a K Davis. And then Adam B. Very, uh, who is a writer over uh, who was the senior film reporter over at BuzzFeed News, said, quote, uh, a small update. I've also confirmed negotiations over the fate of Tom Holland's Spidey in the MCU are still ongoing and could be salvaged. But going public with this news isn't a great sign. Well, I think it was more of a power play. I mean, if this is the case that somebody wanted to really sway the public because mm-hmm. the outcry, as you heard, we completely rewrote our show to cover it. Yeah. Was to get somebody to make this happen and make sure the deal gets renegotiated by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. Because the fandom is very vocal, and ultimately we have the final say. Because if we don't go to the movies, they start losing money. Yeah. So stay tuned to the ODPH uh, social medias for more information. I'll say because, you know, Slates, I know, you know, talk about the outcry and kind of the reaction. I definitely think, this is, like you said, this kind of confirms me this was a power play to kind of get things moving on this. Because if you look at the trends on Twitter in the United States right now, number one, Sony. Number two, Spidey. Number three, Venom. Like the top three trends on Twitter in the United States right now with another few being MCU Spider-Man at number eight, Andrew Garfield at uh, number seven and Uncle Ben at number six. Like it's it's making some waves with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uncle Ben put it out there. So Sony yes. and Marvel, get your stuff together. Make it happen. Uh-huh. Uh, switching over to one shots. I got a couple things to talk about. Uh, we got some news today, courtesy of Warner Brothers, that shocked a lot of people, myself included. We're getting another Matrix movie. Really? Yeah. Uh, so it was announced today by uh, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers Pictures Group Chairman Tony Toby, excuse me, Emmerich made the announcement uh, saying that uh, Lana Wachowski, who directed uh, the original Matrix films along with I think believe the other two, is returning to direct. Uh, she's also co-writing uh, the film, and they. Uh, Emmerich said, quote, we could not be more excited to be re-entering the Matrix with Lana. Lana is a true visionary, a singular and original creative filmmaker, and we are thrilled that she's writing, directing, and producing the new ch- this new chapter in the Matrix universe, close quote. Uh, it should be noted, IGN is reporting that according to a Matrix trilogy conceptual designer, most of the original cast is returning for the Matrix 4. Uh, no release date, no nothing about it yet, so something to keep an eye out on, but I'm definitely surprised to be hearing about that one. Yeah, I mean, after Matrix 1, I mean, they're they're very good films. And for mm-hmm. their time, I mean, yeah. they were groundbreaking. You see the camera work that was done yeah. in the cinematography definitely reestablished the, the bar and mm-hmm. really set a precedent. So, I mean, they do have relevance. Yeah. I just honestly, I don't know if I necessarily needed a fourth one. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not mad about it, but I'm kind of like, um, oh, okay. Like, yeah. 
it's just kind of a little more puzzling than not. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get why there was there's been talk for a couple of months that they were going to do a, a spinoff or another Matrix movie, but there wasn't really firm confirmation or talk of whether it was going to be with uh, Keanu Reeves and and the and the folks over in the original trilogy were going to return or they were going to go in a new direction. But, I mean, it makes sense to bring back Keanu Reeves and do it, you know, it, rather than try to reestablish something else entirely. I mean, they tried to do it with the one Matrix video game that bombed terribly. So, you know, why why break the wheel? Yeah, so it would be interesting to watch, though, mm-hmm. definitely when it comes out. Uh, finally, finally, finally got a title and a release date for the upcoming James Bond film, which will, of course, be Daniel Craig's final film as the title role of James Bond. Uh, According to the James Bond Twitter account, which is at 007, they tweeted out a short video today, and darn it, they almost teased the the theme song. Didn't get the full thing. Uh, They said, quote, Daniel Craig returns as James Bond, 007 in No Time to Die. Out in the UK on the 3rd of April 2020 and the 8th of April 2020 in the United States. Of course, it's starring Daniel Craig with Rami Malek playing the villain. Uh, they are currently filming, so look out for a trailer probably before too long. Yeah, I have to say sooner than later. We'll mm-hmm. see. Here's something about that. Yep, and finally, uh, some big video game news that happened this week. Uh, Sony has bought the Spider-Man developer, and, and I... I understand why everyone's running with Spider-Man developer, but they've done way more than that. Uh, Insomniac Games, of course, the mega popular, arguably the best Spider-Man video game of all time. I mean, you can have that discussion. It's a good debate. Yeah, they they came out and announced, it was announced uh, earlier this week that they were purchasing the per, the uh, game company, which was founded in 1994. Now, I know why under everyone's running with ins- the Spider-Man developer, because that's the most recent thing and arguably the most successful thing they've ever done. They've done some other stuff. Uh, they worked on the Spyro video games back in the 90s and early 2000s. They've worked on the Ratchet and Clank video game series, which has spanned you know, the last couple of decades. They worked on the Resistance video game franchise. Uh, they worked on Sunset Overdrive, which uh, came out on the Xbox One. Uh, worked on some iOS games and some other stuff. But it, as surprising as this was, it also wasn't. I mean, if, if you paid attention to the E3 the last couple of years, Microsoft has scooped up a couple of big-name fran- uh, video game studios to to put under their banner and essentially what this does is for both sony and microsoft when they purchase a developer it means that the games they produce will come out exclusively on those respective consoles so insomniac games going forward you know they're going to come out on playstation exclusive you know so for any sunset sunset overdrive fans yeah you're likely not going to get a sequel on xbox one again you know but this you know as shocking as this was it also isn't i mean you look at you know, the, the, their body of work, you know, they really didn't make an Xbox game until 2013 up until that from, you know, 1996 up until, you know, 2012, they were PlayStation exclusive. Like they were making stuff for PlayStation right. exclusive. So, I mean, it's a good move on their part. Insomniac is a very good studio. They get very high quality of work. And I, I'm a big fan of their ratchet and clank games and obviously the Spider-Man game. So I'm definitely excited to see what they can do. Yeah. And that, with the new properties there, I mean, who knows what they're going to wind up doing. Is there anyone you want to see them kind of dabble with? Um, another ratchet and clank game, please. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the Spider-Man game. I want to see a sequel to that, but you know, I, there, I, there needs to be another ratchet and clank game. It's been way too long. Fair enough. So for my one shots, now there was some podcast news Mm -hmm. that Marvel is teaming up again with Stitcher, Mm -hmm. and they're coming out with a Marvel's podcast. Now, are you familiar with the comic series? No. Okay. This is Kurt Busiek, and it was uh, set in the 90s. It was uh, basically like a reporter's view of the events happening, like in the the golden age of uh, comics. 
the artwork was painted by Alex Ross. Mm -hmm. So I'm holding you up the promo picture for it. So they're basically establishing this as a podcast series. Okay. Much like they did with uh, Wolverine the Long Night. Long Night and now The Lost Trail, which I cannot recommend enough. It is fantastic. Right. So they're teaming up with that. Uh, The one and only Method Man is going to be one of the voices on it. I heard it was supposed to be Ben Urich. Okay. So I'm excited. That. I'm excited. I mean, there's some more news breaking about that, but I just think that's going to be a cool thing when that comes out. I mean, the the, the comic series, like I said, the artwork is it's beautiful. And and like I said, I can't recommend Wolverine: The Long Night and Wolverine: The Lost Trail enough. Just the the quality of work they put into their their episodes, very immersive. Like Wolverine: The Lost Trail takes place in Louisiana and the Bayou portion of the United States. And, and there are certain there are some episodes where Wolverine and, and uh, somebody who is along with him for what's going on in the story, they are traveling by boat through the bayou. You close your eyes, you'd swear to God you're on a you're on a sw- one of those pontoon boats in the middle of the swamp. Mm. Just just the, the the sound effects and the ambiance they put in, you'd swear they just went out and recorded a sound in, in a swamp. Yeah, this this is gonna be something to watch. For when it comes out, like I said, they do such quality work mm-hmm. for the, you know these episodic po- podcasts they do. Yeah. So to see what Marvel New Media is going to be working with Stitcher on and, and see where this comes out, it, I, I'm fully excited for yeah. it. And like I said, the the Marvels series, uh, the artwork steals it for you, but it's just such a different concept. You're just seeing like everyday hero or everyday people watching heroes and just how like you see the world through their eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's going to be really cool to see how we hear it through you know their ears so to speak yeah now the thing we should mention is because it is coming out they are doing it in partnership with stitcher it will likely be a stitcher exclusive for i want to say about a year because that's how wolverine the uh lost trail has worked where because previously when wolverine the lost the long night it was just a little bit of a delay between when it was on stitcher premium and then it went to whatever podcasting app you use the long the lost trail was not the case where it was like they put out the trailer for season two and it was like at least a solid nine months to a year before it started hitting normal podcasting platforms. So I would expect more of the latter, you know, where you'll see a trailer for it pop up on your, your podcasting app. If you subscribe to it when it goes live, but don't expect the first episode for a while unless you subscribe to Stitcher Premium. Right. So keep your ears out for that. There'll be some more news coming. I don't have a release date. It was just announced that this is in the works and some initial voice casting. So stay tuned for that. Comic book pick of the week is Powers of X3. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it stood out, I mean, of everything coming out. So definitely hit up your local comic book shops. Get down there. Talk to everybody down there. See what's jumping out. Maybe there's a book that we're not covering that you think we should. And they might steer you in the right direction to it. There's a lot of good books out there. I know we shout out Justin from Sound Go Round mm-hmm. all the time on our Facebook about that. He might be coming on the podcast in a couple weeks. I'm, sorry, I'm going to recommend Absolute Carnage because I, I read what happens in issue one. And holy mother of God. Yeah. Like I said, issue one came out, I believe it was uh, last week. Yeah. But it's worth picking up, too. I know we didn't delve into that, but... Oof. Yeah, that one is... It's too bad it's under the shadow of uh, you know the X-Men reboot, because that one is a yeah. very big event. I mean, Donny Cates is doing such good work there, too. And let me close out with some cancellation news. Oh. Sci-Fi has announced that Krypton is being canceled after two seasons. Oh, okay. So where this means they're going to be winding up is kind of up in the air right now. Yeah. Because we've seen that uh, Sci-Fi made the mistake of canceling Deadly Class, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, Happy, so they've now canceled another comic show. 
And um, just as here, the, there is some talk that Krypton might land in the DC Universe or HBO Max moving forward. I, I can see that, just given the fact that HBO Max is coming down the pike like we know. You know, there were there. I've seen a very vocal crowd online trying to get it saved, and they they do have a fan base. I do not count myself among them. I tried watching it, but eh, not exactly my cup of tea. You know, I watched the you know the first season, but after that, it just kind of it didn't really do anything for me. But you know, I can like I said with uh, HBO Max coming down the line, and you know, I can I can see it getting put on the the DC Universe app or HBO Max. It would be interesting to see it wind up there. I mean, I, I will admit, too, I gave up kind of after season one. It just didn't really yeah. connect with me. Yeah. I thought they took some nice risks, though. And just the anytime you do, like, the, the back history of yeah. Superman, especially yeah. on Krypton, and trying to connect it, it's a little it's a little difficult. I mean, it was a big task for him to do. And I know this season they, they entered Lobo into the mix. Yep. And, you know, I mean, they did enough stuff for the Superman universe that if they do wind up on a new network, I think that'd be okay. In the DC universe, I mean, that would be an interesting place for it to wind up. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be, I mean, I, I'm a subscriber, so I'll definitely check it out if it's on there. And then HBO Max, I mean, who knows what's going to wind up there. Uh, and if they're also looking for a great show, talk to Deadly Class. <coughs> Excuse me. The music you heard on this episode is that of Crimson Brethren. They are now in a band called Floodlands. You'll be hearing some more new music from them coming out in September as they've announced that their album is finally going to be getting released after all this time. Good for them. So to check them out and more music that you hear on the show, go to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Hit the music link on there. Hit the hashtag 607podcast. You can find out all the information on our buddies, 3 Fat Nerds, 8122Productions, photos... But photography by Mike Blakesley. He's not a podcaster, but if you want cosplay photos done, he is a guy to go see. And Horror Zone 607 as well. You can also read the blogs. There's so much to read and check out on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Check it out after the episode. Because that's all we got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I am your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. 